So hello to all the Zoomers and to all of the, the streamers and the dreamers later on on YouTube. It's brilliant to have you with us. 2021, it's, um, it's off to a bang already. And uh, someone sent me a video this week, a little meme, which perfectly summarizes the start of this year. Hit it, hit it, Jed. We're all lined up. Yeah, that's what it feels like. It's a face plant and a stumble in. That is the beginning of 2021, my friends. Let me take you back to New Year's Eve, which feels like weeks ago. Unbelievably, it was only 10 days ago. And preparations were underway in the Carter household for a quieter New Year's, as it was everywhere else. We had a raucous party planned, as raucous as it can get for a family of four with a three-month-old and a nearly three-year-old. The non-alcoholic bubbles, they were in the fridge. They were ready to come out. And the bedtime routine started circa 7 p.m. We know how to party in our house. And that is when the misery began. The first fireworks kicked off shortly after that, and therein lay a whole evening of sitting with a terrified toddler as firework after firework went off. Every so often the bubbles snuck out of the fridge with some hope, and yet the next firework would go off, we'd have to go upstairs, the bubbles went back into the fridge. Fast forward, the clock strikes midnight, and I'm setting up my duvet next to Nella's bed just so that she can sleep, so that she knew that she was safe, that her dad was near. It sounds pretty familiar. High hopes, beautiful plans, but the reality of fear, the reality of noise all around us and a toddler needing to know that her dad is with her. I don't know if you can relate. I certainly can, not least because I was awake for most of that night. For many of us, we've crossed the threshold from 2020 into 2021 with blind optimism, full of expectation that things would be different, full of hope. But this last week, we've got a national lockdown. We're in a state of emergency in this city. People are shielding again. COVID stats are worse than they've ever been. Schools are shut. Homeschooling's back. That's fun, isn't it? Isolation and loneliness setting back in, which puts the fireworks all into some perspective. And then the appalling scenes on our screens from Washington on Wednesday night, yet more symptoms of a country, but not only that, of a world which is divided, which is hurting, which is set against itself. And it feels almost crazy to have to say this, and yet I know that it has to be said when you see banners being held up saying that Jesus saves, that the actions of those on Wednesday in the US Capitol, for some done in the name of Jesus, could not be further from the way that Jesus teaches us, the way that he teaches his church. Actions of hatred, of oppression, of supremacy over other citizens. It's wrong. It's contrary to the gospel. And we grieve with those who grieve in the US this week. And I found some verses from 1 John to be a guiding light over these last few days where it says there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. In other words, when actions instill fear, not in a reverence of God way, but fear in a felt way, they aren't compatible with the God who is of perfect love. And it goes on, but perfect love drives out fear because fear is to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made in perfect love. And we pray for the U.S., over this week, and we we have been over these last years, but we pray for the U.S. this week. In fact, let's let's just have a moment where we pray. Lord, would you bring your peace, bring your protection over that incredible nation, Lord? 
And Lord, we, we pray for unity. We pray where the enemy is having a field day dividing that country. Lord, we just pray in the name of Jesus, would you bring your unity, bring your healing spirit, Lord. We stand with that nation, we grieve with that nation, we lament with that nation, but we hope with that nation, Lord. Come and do what only you can do, Lord. Amen. Amen. It, it feels like pretty dark days, and in many ways they really are. Many are experiencing oppression and pain in a way that they haven't before, and yet there is hope. Hope, it, it feels like, is a word for the season. Kath spoke on hope brilliantly last week. Please go back and listen to that on, on YouTube if you haven't already. It's incredible. We're clinging to hope. Even if that looks a little different than we were expecting, it's messy. It's a graft. It really does it like clinging on. That's what hope looks like in this season. But here's the key, is that we have to remember that hope is not just some idea out there. Hope isn't untethered from anything else. Hope is found in a person and his name is Jesus. That is where hope is found. He is a rock-like, truth-defining, fearless, all-loving person, and his name is Jesus. Put your hope in him. And this week, most of us, as we were taking down our, our fairy lights and our forlorn Christmas trees that never really got to show off to anyone, we might have missed one of the most beautiful events in the Christian calendar, this beautiful feast of Epiphany. And it's this stunning story that sneaks into our nativity scenes of these scholars, these astrologers, the magi, who go on this journey to find this tiny, weak baby, Jesus. And they leave completely changed by his glory as they encounter him. So we're going to camp out in a passage from Matthew 2. And the wonderful Nehar is going to read to us by the magic of Zoom. She's going to do our reading for us now. Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12. Yes. Hello. Yeah. Should I just read? Yeah, you're in. I think you're in. I just can't hear you, but I'm just, I'm just going to trust that it's happening. Anna's giving me a thumbs up. Crack on there. Okay, cool. Um, so this is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Herod Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But ye, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Amen.
Amazing. Thank you so much, Neha. That was brilliant. Lovely depth of field to have the rest of your household behind you. That's incredible trust levels that they wouldn't stitch you up with something. Um, but thank you so much. A beautiful story of some outsiders who are attentive to the arrival of the creator of the universe in the form of this little baby. A story of those in authority, their power threatened as they clamor for control back. And a story of some religious leaders who were completely missing the moment. They had all the information, but they had none of the faith. They had no idea the profoundness of what was happening in front of their very eyes. And there is so much we could take from this beautiful story. But in the rest of the time we have, I just want to briefly focus on these outsiders on the Magi. Because here's the thing, for many of us right now, we need to zoom out for a moment. We need to quieten down the noise of the headlines of our own fluttering emotions. And we need to gain a perspective of what we're living for right now rather than focus on what we're living through right now. And from that place, we can then navigate this chapter of our lives that we're living through right now. And as we look at these Magi, as they travel a pretty treacherous journey, it's worth saying, across nations, across deserts, they have three things that I think are going to help us right now. They have an incredibly clear destination. They have an adopted posture that's going to help them get there. And they're propelled by the fuel of faith. First of all, these Magi, they're absolutely clear on what they're aiming for. It says in verse 2, they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star, and when it rose, uh, when it rose, and have come to worship him. They know exactly where they're going. They know what they're aiming for. They know what they're expecting when they get there. And here's something I've noticed in my own thinking over these past months, over this last year. Listen to this narrative if it sounds familiar. When I get to see family again, then... When the vaccine comes, then. When I get to work in the office again, then. When Nella gets to see her friends again, then. And here's the problem, then what? What then? I'm going to look forward to the next thing because that's, that's the kind of people that we are. For many of us, we've put our hope in completely the wrong place. We've forgotten time and again that the destination that we're aiming for isn't normality. It's Jesus. It's his presence. It's his spirit. It's dwelling with him in the quiet place. That is our destination. That is what we should be truly aiming for. And there's some verses from, from Jeremiah that have been bouncing around my head the last few weeks. Jeremiah, obviously a prophet in the Old Testament, writing to the people of God as they're in exile in Babylon. They're a scared people, an isolated people, a vulnerable people right now. And he writes this in Jeremiah 17. Cursed, pretty strong language, cursed is the one who trusts in man who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. And he goes on, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. It le its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. It feels like a year of drought. And yet, when we trust in the Lord, we can always bear fruit. We can withstand the heat. And these are words about where we find our destination, our trust, our hope. Not in worldly things, but in the Lord. That's where we prosper. That's where life springs up. His words aren't just about belief. Because many of us have a belief, right? But they're about trust. Where do we put our trust? Where do we invest our hope and our trust for the future? And here's a real talk moment. Is hope and trust for you found in Jesus right now? 
or is it found somewhere else? Honestly, for me, the last few months, it's often been found somewhere else. It's been found in distraction, in security, in entertainment, in just simply having a walk. That's what I've trusted in. Pope Francis, this week on Epiphany, speaking about Epiphany, says this. He said, if we do not worship God, we will worship idols. There isn't an in-between. If we're not worshipping God, we're going to find something else to worship because that's who we are. That's the kind of worshipping beings that we were created to be. He goes on, human beings have a need to worship, but we cannot risk missing the goal. Time and time again, I'm realising that I'm missing the goal. Not only that, and I think it's worse than that, I'm putting the wrong goal at the end of the target. Are we missing the goal of Jesus? Let's just get practical for a minute. How do we do this? We keep banging on about bread, not just because it's fun to read scripture together, although it is, but because scripture grounds us. Scripture locates us in this story. It reveals our true destination, and that's the presence of God. It's found in a person, and his name is Jesus. Let's not miss what the destination is for us, that this race that's marked out for us is towards a person, and his name is Jesus. The Magi, they knew exactly where they were going. They were going towards a tiny baby, and his name was Jesus. Not only do they know their destination, but they, they knew exactly the kind of posture that would help them get them there. I just want us for a moment to picture the scene of this, this group traveling hundreds of miles. It would have taken them something like six months, probably, to travel from Babylon to Bethlehem, a long, dangerous, relentless journey and they relied on this star or these planets in the sky to get to this little baby and they had to have a posture of looking up and looking out. Looking up as they follow the star in the sky and out ahead of them as they navigated the terrain in front of them. And here's the danger for us, when it starts getting tough, when the terrain gets rocky, when the sky gets dark, instead of looking up and looking out, we look in and we look down. We look down, it gets too much, we get overwhelmed, we lose the capacity to see a wider perspective, to lift our heads, and then we look in. As we lose that perspective, we search inwards to find our own dependency instead of finding that in God. We trust in our own self-reliance, our own ability to get through. And here's my question for you. Are you navigating this journey by looking up to God, by looking out to the world, or are you looking in and are you looking down? This will have been one of the hardest seasons for many in our community as well as across this nation, across this world, not least just to manage, just to get through. And I know that it will be truly devastating for more still. But too often, my eyes have wavered down. They've wavered in. It's got too much. I get overwhelmed. I've got to the end of myself. I'm sure you can relate to that. And yet, I find encouragement in some words from Jesus, who later in his life, he stands up in front of his followers, in front of his, his disciples, and declares, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Poor not in a sense of, of monetary wealth, but poor in spirit, downcast, so aware of our own helplessness, so aware of our own weakness, so aware of our own lack. That's the place, says Jesus, where we are very close to finding him. Because that's the moment where we're aware of our, of, our, of our own lack and we start to shift our eyes from being inward and downward to being upward and outward to the world. Again, just practical. Let's just talk real simple for a minute. Two things that we can do. Worship. Find ways to worship God in your everyday. And it can be simple things. Stick on a worship album. Get some songs. 
take a walk in a beautiful place, gaze upon the nature that God has created, and intercession, keep your hearts pointed outwards. It feels like a discipline to do that when you're so aware of your own need right now. But believe me, keep your heart pointed outwards. Keep a list of people to pray for. Ask people what they need prayer for. As you go for a walk, pray for them. It will keep your heart and your posture pointed outwards. Not only do we need to know our destination, but we have to adopt a posture that shifts our gaze towards him in worship and out towards the world. Finally, coming in to land, the Magi had to have the right fuel for the journey. Not just camel food, although I might come back to that because there's a real rabbit warren that we could go down if we really want to get into camel food. But they had faith. Faith was their fuel. Faith being the confidence in what they'd hoped and longed for. They were expecting a Messiah and an absolute assurance of what they couldn't yet see. They were yet to encounter this baby, but they knew exactly what they were traveling towards. They didn't just have the facts. They didn't just have the prophecies like the priests around Herod, like many of us do all the time, but they had faith to propel them into action towards Jesus. Faith is a remarkable gift. It has the power to move mountains, to see people through the hardest of times, for them to endure things that they never thought they could endure. As a place that faith is in the person of Jesus. I want to take you back a couple of months into lockdown two, I think it was, in the November lockdown. We just had a little Emmy, a little baby girl, and a combination of an intense few weeks of having a baby in the house, as well as just, I think, some lockdown living. It took me to a place where my faith levels, honestly, they were really low. I longed to see God's kingdom at work and yet couldn't see it. I longed to see breakthrough somewhere, but I couldn't see it. My head was so in a narrow tunnel vision of the life in front of me. And I realized that we had to ruthlessly hunt for stories of faith where God was moving. That would be some of the fuel that I needed for my journey. And one one evening, I just got a new phone number going. I put it out for anyone who was experiencing despair to get in touch so that I could simply pray. It sounds like a really righteous, pious thing to do so that other people might experience the presence of God. Honestly, it was born in a place of needing to see faith stories happening. And over the past few weeks, it's been an incredible um, crucible of seeing beautiful stories of those who are ill being healed, of the jobless finding employment, broken relationships being restored, of people who've lost their faith, refinding faith. Honestly, it's been incredible. And that faith has been fuel for my soul. It's been fuel for the journey that we find ourselves in now. So again, practically, ruthlessly, selfishly find stories and encounters of faith that will fuel your faith. They will be fuel for the journey. Do you need the gift of faith right now? Do you need more faith in your life? Do you need to know that God is on the move? Let me encourage you, ask for the gift of faith today. It's a spiritual gift. You can receive it. Ask that God would fill you with the gift of faith. And all these things sound simple. In many ways, they are. The practical outworking is pretty simple. Remembering the destination. It's the person and presence of Jesus. Keeping our eyes upward and outward to the world. Being fed with faith for the journey. And yet, if we knew the difference this stuff would make, if we truly orientated ourselves towards him, without distraction, without fear, without the noise around us, it would be a game changer. We are, you are made to be distinctive 
to be different, to be a little bit weird as we live this stuff out. A quote, more of a challenge and commission really, by a missionary from the last century has hit me this week. 65 years ago, this week, a young 29-year-old missionary, Jim Elliott, he was martyred in Ecuador by those he went there to serve. He was a reckless follower of Jesus. I just spat when I said that. I didn't like that at all. That's, that's horrible. He was someone whose very life was a profound challenge about what it looks like to follow Jesus. And writing about most of us, about what it means to follow Jesus, about what it means to be a disciple, referencing John 15 where Jesus says to his disciples, the world will hate you. That's what Jesus says. He says this, the world cannot hate us, for we are too much like its own. Oh, that God would make us dangerous. Oh, that God would make us dangerous. Dangerous not in a worldly sense, not finding danger for danger's sake, but dangerous in the kingdom of God. Oh, that we would be distinctive. Oh, that we would be different. Oh, that we would be dangerous in the kingdom. And my prayer for all of us as we go about this year is that we would be made dangerous in the kingdom of God once again. That our lives would reflect what God would want to do in and around us. You might have entered 2021 ready for the fight, like Anna said at the beginning, full of faith for the challenges that it could bring, or more likely, you've stumbled into this year. You're pretty battered, you're bruised, you're bracing yourself for what might come next. Here's my encouragement today, wherever we're at, let's remind ourselves Jesus is the goal. He is the goal. His presence, the person of him is the goal. Not only that, but in dark moments, as we look to him, he is holding us through this chapter. He's near. He cares. And when the night grows long, as the fireworks start going off, it's easy to believe that we're alone, that we're left to our own devices, left to our own self-reliance to get through this moment. Instead, my prayer is that we would know we have a God who lies down alongside us, who loves us, is for us, who wants to use you. He wants to do so much in and through us if we would just turn to him if we would orientate ourselves afresh at the beginning of this year towards him, if we would remember ultimately that he is the goal that we are heading towards.